Okay, can we pray this morning? Yeah. It's always good to pray, you know, sometimes it's just good to pray. Clear the air. Amen? Father, I thank you so much for who you are in each one of our lives. I thank you, God, for your abounding blessings and great sweet presence amongst us this morning as we gather uh, to, to worship you and to love you and to honor you. I thank you, God, for clarity of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you anointed your word to bring revelation to us. And so uh, this morning, as we sit and, and listen to what the Spirit says to us this morning through your word, I pray for ears to hear and hearts to perceive, minds to, uh, to, to understand and, to, and then our feet to carry us to continue to do the work of the gospel. I thank you, Lord, that there's no, uh, no voices, no blockage, no nothing that's keeping us from understanding and being close to you this morning. I thank you that every work of darkness has been vanquished by the light of the gospel that comes forth through our lives. And so we give you praise and thanks for clarity of hearing and just the goodness of your life in each one of us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God has something to say to us these days, doesn't he? We have so much that causes us to be focused on and to be worried by and to be, uh, uh, give attention to. And sometimes we, in the midst of doing all those things, we can neglect ourselves. Amen. Neglect our life in Christ and neglect the, the, the life that we should be endeavoring to, uh, to cultivate in Him. This morning, I, uh, this morning, turn your Bible this morning if you have it to the book of Genesis chapter 49. Um, I used a, a, an analogy this morning of, uh, of our own individual lives, and I, and I, and I used the analogy of, uh, 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 sorry, I'm a little foggy this morning, it's a little easier, it's, it's tough when you have two services, because you prepare for, for, to, to preach the message, but you prepare spiritually to release it, so then you get up and you release it. And now you've got to put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. And it's not the easiest thing to do. So sometimes we've got to figure where we left off and where we, where we started out at. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Well, one of the various professions that I've done over the years, other than whether it was pastoring or in the ministry, is uh, driving commercial vehicles. And part of the, the, the licensing that you have to have for commercial vehicles is, uh, is to be certified for air brakes. Learning the system, understanding how they work, and uh, checking the systems, uh, knowing what to look for. Um, you know, they can malfunction, and if they malfunction, then you, of course you could run into not having any brakes. They're designed to deal with enormous amounts of weight and pressure and energy that uh, normal passenger cars don't have to deal with. So, in the process of, of your daily uh, work, you have to test your braking systems and you. Uh, in the mornings and in the afternoon or at the beginning of your shift and at the end of your shift. The reason being that the, 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 one of the greatest pressures that commercial vehicles have put on them is not just the weight of whatever they're hauling, but it's the braking system yeah. to make sure that it comes to a stop. Yeah. And so it's, very, it's way overly engineered and it's very complex and uh, uh, it's very effective, works very well. But you can always tell when, you ha when you've been behind a truck who's been using his brakes too much. Amen? You can smell it. Funny thing is, is we're not much different than that when the pressure of our lives is put on us. Amen? Yeah. We kind of can smell too, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> See, although it's not fun, 
We are designed by God to be put under great amounts of pressure and strain. To be stretched farther than we ever thought of ourselves to be stretched. Right? God sees us as the Gideons. Right? He sees us as the, the, as the, the victors. He doesn't see us as the victims. Amen? And although being, uh, being under great strain, he, God uses these times of pressure and strain to refine us and to temper us and to strengthen us and to fortify us. Amen? So who you are today, who you were yesterday, right, the old you, and who you, are, and who you will be tomorrow are three very distinctly different people, aren't they? Where you started your walk in Jesus, from where you came from and to where you are today, is a huge testimony. But that's not where the story ends, right? It's not, we just don't, uh, we just don't sign on the dotted line, we get our membership card, and then it's just the, the easy road of Christian life. Amen. That's right. Right? This great, easy honeymoon exper- expression of Jesus. For a season of time. But then there's the walking out process, right? right? Didn't Jesus tell us that if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to lay a lot of things down. Yeah. If you want to follow me, you have to let go of your life. If you want to follow me, you've got to let go of everything that you hold closest to you. Yeah. He didn't say it's going to be a kegger party, did he? <laughs> he didn't tell us it's going to be fun all the way to the barbecue, did he? No, no he told us that it was going to be a process. And it was going to be difficult. And it was going to have to be that way. Because you were going to be transformed from one person to the next. Right? Amen? Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself this morning. See, where you are is not as important as where you're going. Where you started was just where you started. Where you are today is just where you are today. But what the Lord is really working on is to where you're going to be ending up. Amen. That's the process that he walks us through. That's that right. he works us through. Amen? Yeah. So in Genesis chapter 49, we, 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 we're, we're in a portion of the book where the patriarchs have, have come and gone. Jacob is on his deathbed and he begins to, to speak to his sons. And release their destiny. God speaking through Jacob, releasing and imparting to them the, the, the promises that will come forth, the, the, the 12 tribes that are, that are about to be birthed out of these men and their families. And he, he speaks to, to Joseph's brothers uh, 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 of, the, of the difficulties and the hardships. You know, God, God works through the, the innermost recesses of a man's heart. Amen? He, works, he, he sees what's going on behind the systems. He's not always so much concerned about what you look like on the outside. He knows what's going on on the inside. So jo- Joseph's brothers were full of envy and strife and ugliness and bitterness and hatred towards their brother. And it was cultivated in the things that they had done and the deception that they had brought to their home and their families. And it set a course for their life and the destiny of all of their children and their children's children to come after them. Each tribe had its own sets of struggles based on Jacob's release or or ministry to them at his deathbed. 
But he doesn't say these things to Joseph. Let's read in in verse 22, chapter 49. He says, Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall, and the archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. For there is a shepherd the stone of Israel. See, Jacob is describing his son's uh, 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 struggles. That his brothers attacked him with envy and with revenge and temptation and thanklessness. Yet still by the grace of God, Joseph triumphed through all of those things, right? If If we retell Joseph's story, he had a lot to be frustrated about in life. He had a lot to cash out on. You know what I mean? He had a lot to say, to heck with it. I'm sold into slavery by my brothers. I'm hauled all the way to Egypt. I'm sold as a slave. And I have some ups and downs along the way that I end up in prison for 20 years. (laughs) Through it all, God was with me. But, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, none of us have been under the kind of pressure that Joseph was under. And there's a lot of times in my life where I feel like cashing out. I feel like tearing up my membership card. I feel like saying, you know, it'd be a lot easier just to go back to the farm. You know what I mean? Be a lot easier just to go back to Egypt. At least there we had lots of onions and leeks to eat. We had the Nile to, to, to nourish us and drink from. And then Jacob, he proceeds to shower blessings upon his son. Look in verse 25. He says, by the God of your father who, who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings from heaven above, blessings to the deep that lie beneath, blessings of the beasts and of the womb, and blessings, uh, uh, excuse me, blessings of the, of the breasts and of the womb, blessings of your fathers have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the uttermost uh, bound of the everlasting hills that she be on the head of Joseph. And on the crown of his head of him who will separate from his brothers. What blessings that his father showers upon him. Head above his brothers. Joseph understood what it meant to function under great pressure. David also knew what it meant to function under great pressures. In Psalm uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, And he shall be planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall, uh, also shall not wither, and, who, and who, whatsoever he does shall prosper. Amen. See, triumphant, victorious living is not problem-free living. Right. Amen? Being a, vic- being a victor doesn't mean that you don't have to have a fight. Right. See, sometimes the door of your victory is not marked exit, right? It's not, it's not I'm going from this experience today and I'm crossing through that doorway and I'm going into my promised land. Doesn't necessarily work that way, does it? No. Most of the time, the exit door that you're heading out to, you're thinking you're going from one place to the next, it says, through the Red Sea. Yeah. It says, through the fiery furnace. Yeah. It says, through the giants. It says, through the valley of the shadow of death, Right? It's the it's the it's the, uh, uh, the 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 analogy of coming out of the pot into the pan, right? Or is it the other way around? 
out of the kettle into the pan or whatever it is, right? It's just one form of extreme to the other. See, the overcoming triumphant Christian life is not a problem-free living. It's not problem-free living. It is promise-filled living. Amen? It's filled with promises. And we talked about that a little bit more this morning. That our life that we, that, 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 that we, that we live in, in Christ, it's, it's a process. This ongoing process, this ongoing transformation. And, 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 and we, don't, we don't stop just because we've gotten to a certain place. Amen? God's not a God who lets us sit too long. Because if we sit too long, we get too idle. And if we get idle, then we just, we're not progressing. Amen? In Psalm 23, in verse 4, David expresses what it means to be an overcomer. While he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. You know what I really what grabs me in, 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 that, in that line? Is that there's evil around him. Yeah. That it's there and it's tangible. He's not denying it's there. He's not faithing it out. It's very much there and he very much has to face it. And he's professing by faith that I will not fear it. I'm not afraid of what I have to face. Yeah. Why is, where, where is his strength found? In the Lord. So he says immediately, for you're with me. Regardless that, fear, that, the, that, that evil is so close that you can feel it, and I know we've all probably been there at one time, if not more. It's tangible. We have to always remember the truth of standing on the promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us. So that means that if I can feel darkness around me, in between that darkness and my life is the Lord. Amen? I will fear no evil, for you are with me, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. That is all at the same moment that he's not being afraid of the evil that's around him. See, we have to change the, our, 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 our idea of how we view these things. You understand what I'm saying? Meaning, if I'm in the midst of my enemies, if the, if the evil of my enemy is all around me, what is God doing? He's preparing a table. He's anointing you. Those are things that you do in times when you're not at war. You're not anointing your head with oil. Your cup's not full. You're not being fed, Right? But God's saying, oh, it's very much that way. So even though the evil of life and the evil and the struggles and difficulties are around you, in God's eyes, this is time for a feast. It's a time for me to anoint your head. It's a time for your cup to be full. Amen? Amen. See, David doesn't ignore the pressures. He embraces them, knowing that by faith, God is right there with him. Amen? Amen. See, we've had some, 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 some mediocre, some, some teachings that have been questionable that have come through uh, uh, the church over the years. Some of them about uh, 
Your faith being so big that things can be transformed in your life that are monetary, that are possessions, that are extravagant things because your faith, your faith is strong enough for you to have them, right? Or uh, sickness falls on a person where they're lacking the faith to be healed. Well, that's not my God. Amen? The Bible says in Psalm 34, about 19, that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Amen? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen? That means that this life is going to be filled with difficulties. It's, that means that this life is not going to be easy. But not to be afraid because the Lord delivers me out of all of them. Amen? See, we talked this morning about standing on the promises of God. In fact, I, I shouldn't say we talked about it. Uh, worship service, first service, what was one of the old hymns we sang? Standing on the promises of God. That's what this whole message is based on. See, we in our Christendom, we use a lot of fancy vernaculars to sound faith-filled. Amen? We say things, and they're good to say. They're good professions of faith. But there's a place where we can't just say those things. There's a place where they have to become a verb. The word standing has to become action. It has to become a place where this is where we live. This is where I reside. This is where my attitudes and my expectations of God live. I can't have an expectation of God that's only word, but that's not action. Amen? The word says you're to build your house upon the rock. It's not a mobile home, is it? It doesn't have wheels on it. It's not a class A diesel pusher. No, it's, a, it's fastened to the rock, which means that I am not moved. It's not a thought process. It's not words that just come out because they, stand, they sound good. It is an attitude that physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, I am fixed upon God's promises. That, because someday, and maybe you are right now, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We're all going to face it. And whatever that looks like, right? And it's during those moments when we're not being moved. Right? We're not being moved. I will not be moved. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them, deliver them out of them all. There is no triumph without a battle. You know, it's like we got saved into a fight, right? Jesus brought us into a bar, a bar fight. See, there's no triumph without a battle. There's no testimony without a test. There's no comfort without sorrow or grief. There's no healing without sickness. There's no deliverance without captivity or bondage. And there's no overcoming without adversity. See, one of the greatest evidences that you're near your promised land are giants. When you're facing the giants, that means that God's got you. You're just almost over the hill. You're almost at turn four. You're almost coming around to the back stretch, right? Because the devil keeps throwing the kitchen sink at you to try to get you to, to bow a knee to whatever the circumstances are. 
or to step away from the promises of God or to stand on the fact that, yes, but there's only so many zeros in my bank account or there's so little zeros in my bank account. Or this letter just arrived. Or this contract just fell through. Or the, 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 the layoffs just happened. Yeah. Or my relationship has failed here. Or my, 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 one thing in my health, my health just took a tank. At some point, we're, we're faced with these moments where our, the, 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 the anchoring of our faith has to be not renewed. The anchoring of our faith has to once again be acknowledged. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Because it's, it's a sure foundation. Isn't that what we sing? Yeah. It's a sure foundation. That doesn't mean it's eroding, it's, it's cracking, it's breaking away. It's fixed. Yeah. The greater the test, the greater the testimony. Yeah. Amen? The deeper the grief, the fuller and more complete is the comfort. Good. And the more serious the sickness the greater is the healing. The higher the walls of adversity and opposition, greater is the supply of strength to overcome them. Amen? The Word says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. That means no matter what. No matter what. I said, it earlier, I said it this first service. You know, even if there's a time where you feel like, God, I am the squeaky wheel. I need a little grease. The Lord says, you got what you need. You've got everything you need to make it through. Amen. But Lord, I'm being pulled through the knot hole backwards. That's all right. I made the knot hole just big enough for you to fit through. Right? <laughs> right? But Lord, there's not enough of this and there's not, there's not enough of that or I've made a, such a big bad mistake that I, I could, this will never be rectified. You have to have faith. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You have to have faith. When the devil says something big your way like a Goliath, you just say, God must be up to something big. Amen? Amen. That's the takeaway. We often say... I want to be like Jesus. I want to minister like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I want to be a hand extended just like Jesus. I want to, to, to see his miracles, power come forth. Not so I can be a witness of something, so I could, so I could say I've seen it, but so that I could be a witness of it. Yeah. Amen? But we often forget that the anointing that fell upon Jesus wasn't purified and strengthened in, in, in his times of his aloneness with God or his mountaintop experiences where, he, where, where, where God's manifest presence was around about him. It was in the wilderness yeah. where he had to be separated from God for a season of time so, that, so his inner man could be strengthened. Yeah. When temptation came, and it was from that point forward that the anointing rested upon him. See, for God's anointing to rest upon our lives... And it's for all of us. It's not just for those who are in the ministry. That's right. God's anointing is to rest upon all of you. Amen. For your business acumens. For your educational uh, skills. For your ability to, to retire successfully. God anoints all of us. Yeah. Amen? He takes natural things and he add, applies some supernatural elements to them by faith. Yeah. 
Matthew 4.1 says, then, then was Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 13 verses later, in verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. There is a period of time. There is a process that God has for each one of us. We see it in the life of Jesus, and we have to, we have to admit that this is what God has for most of us. And sometimes we don't want to put up with the fight anymore, do we? See, if God's ordained a wilderness season for you, just remember that the door of promotion is going to be marked wilderness. It's going to be marked trials. It's going to be marked giants. Yeah. And there's, it's, it, it, God, God kind of does, he lives in a one-way system. We just keep going through the next door, through the next door. There's no backtracking, yeah. Right? So oftentimes when we're hit with, a, with another t- trial of life where our faith has been tested, we throw up our hands, we tear up our card, we say, boo-hoo, woe is me, I'm not doing it again. I'm not going through this again. I'm not doing this again. And we sit down and we say, I'm sitting this one out, coach. And the Lord says, okay. If you want to sit this one out, go right ahead. And he'll just sit back and look at his watch and just wait. And you'll go meander back through life, and you'll wander. And I've heard it said many times, it's like you're going around the mountain, right? Yeah. You go around the mountain, mountain Everest. You just keep going, thinking it's going to, you're just ignoring the obvious that what you have to do. The last time I was with God, it was this situation. I just kind of put it on the back burner, and here I went. Around Mountain Everest. You come back around, and we're like, but Lord, what's this? What's this? What's this? And the Lord says, remember the last time you were here? We need, to, we need to do this. Your face being tested. You're being strengthened. You're being... Tra- but no, I don't want to do that. Okay, fine. And you go back around Mount Everest. Right? See, if we had it our way, sometimes if we had it our way, we'd be like those Israelites that want to be just far enough from out of Egypt but still reap its benefits. You know what I mean? Not like living, not like living on both sides of the fence. I mean... I just wanted some of the easiness of just the normal life. I want the normal Christian life. I want the normal, uh, I want the normal kickback life that people talk about, you know, the sweet by and by and the pie in the sky and, you know, the clouds and the, the Milky Way bars that we all get to live on and play our harps, right? I don't want the rough stuff. I don't want to have to suffer. I don't want to have to be whipped and bear, bear the, the marks of following him. See, as much as we hate it, the wilderness season is a training ground for our promised land. Amen? See, God told the, told the children of Israel to pack it up and head over the Jordan and take it, and they were afraid. That was, all, that was the only test that they had to, to, to pass, to follow his direction. Instead, okay, I'll use, this, I'll use the same thing for another 40 years to perfect it. See, the wilderness doesn't make us or breaks us. It just brings to the surface who we really are. It makes us face ourselves so that we can be delivered from ourselves. Amen? You know, I, I, I didn't say anything about this first service. I'll say it this service. I've been married 30 years. We celebrated 30 years in October. 
<laughs> yes. That alone is a testimony. And for 30 years more, because we, we were friends before we got married, obviously. For 30 years, there's been things that my lovely wife has been saying and, and has been bringing back to my attention that the Lord has been, had his finger on for 30 years. And I've ignored it, and I've ignored it, and I've ignored it. Now, I'm just talking about myself, and I'm not getting into details. But it wasn't until I finally started to really see it see what, was, what, I, what I was doing that she could see, that I, but I knew it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you just, like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a guy behind, the, behind the, the curtain, right? So I keep thinking that if I just keep saying, no, don't look at the little guy behind the curtain, keep looking, look, looking over here at the diversion, I just, and I, for 30 years, and finally, I finally saw it for what it was. And I realized, man, this is ugly, and I need to change it. 30 years. <laughs> God's, it's never too late, right? God always has his finger on, on that, and he'll, and he'll always come back around, and it's like, no, now, now, now you're ready to acknowledge it. Okay, now we'll start the process. And so it's like all of it starts from that point in time, no matter how many times I ran around the mountain, and I ignored it for how many decades now I'm finally in line with what the Lord wants to do because there's something that has to come forth by letting go of this. Amen? It's like, it's like I say, like uh, when, you're, when you're holding on to something, when you're holding on to an offense, when you're holding on to somebody and you're offended by them, like the scripture says, uh, it's, like, it's like bless them because it's like putting hot coals upon their head. You're like, what does that mean? Well, think about it. If I dumped hot coals on your head, what are you going to do in blessing? You're going to let go of whatever you're holding on to to get the hot coals off, right? So if you're holding an offense, you're going to let it go by the blessings of the person who you're offended with. The person, as you bless that person, you bless your enemy, it releases the grip of whatever it is that keeps them your enemy. Yeah. That's good. See, if we never see giants in our lives, if, you never, if you're living life where you don't have any woes and any problems and you're not seeing anything coming at you from any direction... You're probably not living in your inheritance. Amen? Remember, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you have nothing to steal, he's not going to come rob you. If you're not living for Jesus, then there's no life to try to kill from you, right? And if you're doing everything in your own strength and God's not the one who's getting the glory for it, then there's really nothing to destroy because whatever you have is wood, hay, and stubble anyway. It's going to burn up. Amen? See, every, every giant you encounter in life has two names. Obstacle and opportunity. The way we respond to them determines whether they're an obstacle or they're an opportunity. Yeah. To King Saul, Goliath was an obstacle. Right? It was a problem. It was a stumbling block. It was a wall to him, right? And this is as far as we go. We can't get past Goliath. Goliath is it. David didn't see Goliath as an obstacle. David saw Goliath as an op opportunity. Yeah. I'm going to take it the next step to fulfill my purpose and destiny. That's just one more uh, 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 obstacle that I've got to get past. And how big it is has is, is no bearing on anything, right? Yeah. That's the takeaway from David and Goliath. 
The size of the obstacle has no bearing upon whether you're victorious or not. Grown men wouldn't fight Goliath, but the boy did. Why? Because the boy saw destiny on the other side of the giant, where everybody saw the wall. Amen? 1 Peter uh, verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Faith that cannot stand a trial cannot be trusted with the prize. How could David have taken the throne if he didn't defend the throne? He really defended the Lord. If you, you know, if you read the story, he really defended the Lord. He didn't really, it had nothing to do with Saul's kingdom. Because Goliath was blaspheming God. Yeah. Who is this uncircumcised barbarian heathen God? Yeah. Dared to find your house of God. <laughs> all you Israelites or all you Hebrews are dogs. All of you, right? So he was speaking what the, how the devil speaks of your life. And David just says, no, you, because you've said these things, you've offended my God. And for that, I'm going to take your head off. <laughs> Pretty stout young kid, right? See, faith that dies in the heat of the fire is too weak to sit on the throne. Amen? Second Corinthians 4 and verse 8 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Amen? Amen? Yeah. That's good stuff right there. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. That just means that in the fight of this life, you're going to take some shots. Right? This isn't comic book superhero stuff. You're going to take some shots. But God's going to do a lot of licking too. Amen? You're, but you're not, going to get, you're not going to be destroyed. You're, you're, not, you're, not going to be, you're not going to lose. Jeremiah, excuse me, Jeremiah 12, in verse 5 in the New King James says, If you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, how are you going to contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted, you're worried that, you're worried that they worried you, then how will it be when the floodplains of the Jordan, when the Jordan River rises? Yeah. Right? How, how is it that when, when we can do one thing well, how are we going to do when the, when the bigger thing comes? Yeah. How is it when we're in a place of, a, 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 a place of peace... What are we going to, if that worries us, right, if, if, it, if, it, if it troubles us right now, what are we going to do when, when the river rises, yeah. right? This is what it says in the Message Bible, the same verse. It says, so Jeremiah, if you're worn out by the foot race of men, what makes you think that you can race against horses? And if you can keep up during the times of calm, what's going to happen when trouble breaks loose like the, like the Jordan in a flood? See, God's using your trials to test and to temper you. He's strengthening you. The last thing that we should do during a time of trials and and tempering is to 
sit back and, 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 and remove yourself from the process. I was talking to a, a, a brother after service, last service, and he was talking a lot about uh, metallurgy or working metal and heat and refining metals. And, and a lot of what God talks about in the scripture talks about a lot of these processes. The amazing part about those processes is how much, how much chemistry is really involved in metallurgy. To think that 2,000 years ago and before that, 4,000 years ago, God was using these ideas to talk about how he does things in us, yeah. right? How he doesn't have to get real wordy with the chemistry that goes on in making steel, but he talks about what goes on in us that kind of works the same way. The refining process. The getting rid of the old. The heating all the goo out of your life and it leaches to the top. Like, like I said, sometimes when the brakes of our lives are overworked, when we get around other people and they see us when we're under stress and strain and we're about to blow our tops, guess what? We stink too. We smell like asbestos breaks, right? That's what happens after 30 years when you stop identifying your areas that need to grow, to grow, right? See, we can ignore trials. We can act as though that they aren't happening. Or we can do what, what, what's been shown to us through Scripture. Persevere. God uses regular people to do extraordinary things. He used the, the, the most dysfunctional people to deliver and lead so many. And you know what? There's no rule book or there's no uh, king book or there's no book that any of these people ever learned to do exactly what they needed to do to accomplish their task. But they all did one thing. They leaned on the Lord. Amen. They acknowledged that the Lord was going to be the, 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 the strength he was going to be the tool. He was going to be the army that was going to bring victory to the people. And the same, same uh, truth is alive today for us. Yeah. That same promise, those standing on those promises. See, just like David, we have to face trials. Because the bigger the trial, the greater the prize. Amen? Amen? See, Jacob's words over his son Joseph are the exact same words that God speaks over you today. Every promise, everything he said to Joseph, all the promises that Jesus spoke, all the things that, were, that are to come to pass in your life that God promised to you, those are alive today. Yeah. Amen? Because bigger the trial, the greater the prize. Amen? Amen. Timothy, if you want to come up, I'm, I'm done. But I want to make sure that we give opportunity to pray for those who need prayer. Maybe you're in the middle of a trial. Maybe you feel like God's not been there for you. Maybe you feel that you need to get uh, some prayer and get some release, get some hands laid on you. Maybe you've been going through a trial and you, don't, you feel like you're at, a, you're at a place where you've got to get over the hump. I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you feel that uh, now's the time to even get back on the right track with the Lord. Maybe this is a good day to get back on the right track with the Lord. Recommit yourself yeah. to the kingdom. Maybe it's time to get some things right with 
some people that you've ignored. Maybe you've offended somebody and you know that you're kind of the one holding it up. I want to pray for you. Because sometimes the rewards that God has for us, the, the crossing over to our promises, the release of the things that God has for your life, is just being held up by one attitude. It's just being held up by one form of place of resistance. One place where you dig in your heels. One area where you, 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 uh, you ignore the voice of the Lord telling you to go right when you want to go left. Sometimes we don't want to go to Nineveh. Amen? Sometimes we don't want to do what the Lord asks us to do because we have all these other reasons behind it and all of these fleshly reasons why we're going to resist. Because we don't want to offend somebody or they don't know I'm a Christian. How do I talk about Jesus? Whatever it might be. God wants to help us get over these hurdles. Because God has promised land after promised land after promised land after promised land. The beauty of the promised land was that it was flowing with milk and honey. But they had to get there first. Amen? We have to take steps. We've got to step outside of ourselves. Everybody stand with me this morning as I close. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, forgive us in places that we resist you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for Mount Everest. Forgive us, Lord, for resisting you or reasoning, uh, reason, uh, reasoning in ourselves of why we resist and not move forward. Lord, forgive us because it's just all we know. It's our failing, Lord. It's, it's the difficulties of life in this fleshly body. Help us to be more just to be more uh, free in you, Lord. Free us, God, in our apprehensions and our fears. Help us to embrace your trials, God. Help us to embrace the wilderness seasons of our lives. Help us to know, God, that every blessing is greater than every difficulty. And so I thank you, Lord, as we go from here that we'll take the truth of facing difficulties, of facing your trials, of facing the difficulties of this life and doing it, God, in such a way that we can be strengthened in you. Deliver us, Lord, of areas where we need to be delivered. We release to you, God, our lives. Have your way amongst us as you work in and through us. Lord, we don't want to just remain in this one place. And we know, Lord, that you keep us moving because we're in the process. So help us to be willing to keep moving. and Help us to, to continue to look to where our help comes from. It's not in our own strength. And Lord, we want to be able to keep up with the footmen and the horses. We don't want to grow weary in well-doing, God. We want to be strong in the power of your might. We want to fulfill the purpose and the call of each one of our lives and in the season that you've set apart and appointed for it. So bless your people as they go, Lord. Let them be filled with the fatness of your goodness. Let us be a light shining into the darkness, God, and everywhere we go, 
We thank you that the ground that we, we tread upon is claimed unto you. So we give you thanks and praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.